Welcome to the Best Ever You Show with Elizabeth Hamilton Garino and Chris Fuller, helping you and people across the globe live life to the fullest. Our focus is on you so you can be your best and create the life you deserve. Visit us at besteveryou.com. Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Best Ever You Show. I'm Elizabeth here with Dr. Robin Smith. Dr. Robin, we ha- what an opportunity it is to be with you. Thank you so much for being here on our thank show. You, thank you so much for having me. I am excited, and I we got to say just a drop of hello before we came live on on air. So I'm excited to be with you and with your audience. Uh, I it's I'm I'm so grateful that you're here. We need you right now. We all need a little bit of Dr. Robin right now. We need to hear how what to do. This has been, um, we're going to have a conversation, everybody, about everything. <laughs> we just talked about baseball before we went on. Everybody knows we love baseball. But I think we need some guidance. Um, I We've been in our houses and maybe out about a little bit now, a little, for a year and a half or so. Um, that's a long time. And I know I've had anxiety. I've had stress. I've had stumbles. I've had weight gain that I just took some weight off <laughs> everything. Help. <laughs> yeah. You know, I um, not only do I hear you and hold your heart, but I share um, as well that it has been a brutal time for everyone. You know, I've been doing a lot of interviews and um, talking to people about what do we do now? And part of knowing, you know, where we go from here is honoring where we've been. As you said, a year and a half. Uh, what does that mean that we didn't choose to go within? We were forced to go within um, and forced in a terrifying way. People were um, getting sick and dying. Uh, initially, we didn't even understand exactly, you know, what was happening uh, in this country in terms of the the virus about COVID nineteen. And even as the um, scientists got more and more information, um, it didn't slow for a long time the illness toll and the death toll. And so we can't, if we're being honest, any of us, I don't care who we are and what we have or don't have, you know, what side of the tracks we come from or if there are tracks at all, right. no one um, has endured this without being touched and hurt. Uh, And so I think a piece of how we take this next breath and step is to honor that we aren't weak, we aren't sick, um, we aren't, um, you know, faithless if um, things didn't, you know, go well, or if we fell off the wagon, or if we you know, picked up some pounds uh, or, and, and not just physical weight, but emotional weight and spiritual weight. I mean, there's so much that we started carrying. I mean, mothers in particular and women who were working in and out of the home ended up really doing double and triple duty. Some women and the research and the articles are showing that many women left their careers because they simply could not juggle what it meant to homeschool and uh, one or two or four children and 
manage a career and take care of you know elderly parents and so they left the job market or they stayed in the job market and found themselves depressed and anxious and finding ways um, whether it's food or alcohol or you know overindulging or underindulging i mean you know there are ways in which self-neglect also showed up in a big way for many people but particularly for women and so you know, I would just start off by saying that gentleness and tenderness is the place to begin toward the self. You know, maybe you're not as patient as you were before uh, the pandemic happened. Maybe you felt like, you know, your faith was more robust. Maybe you felt like your discipline was more intact. I guess so, because a pandemic, I mean, not a little illness, you know, not a flu that didn't want to let you go, but a pandemic that impacted this nation and the entire world. Yeah, it's it's amazing. I I don't know what it, I'm I'm thinking about when you said you know women, and I'm thinking about kids and all of you know. I just that stuck with me when you were talking, and I'm like, I don't even I can't picture. I mean, we had adult kids that had to come home from college, go get them, and bring them back. Like baseball was being played in North Carolina. The next, they were arrived back in New Haven and come get me, you know, kind of thing, that kind of thing. I don't know how people did that with little kids. Like, right. it, it, to me, it's like an opportunity in a way, like, oh, this is fun. Mom time, kid time, you know, kind of stuff. <laughs> but but not. Right. right. And mom, yes. Mom because, time, kid time. But it's if you were choosing it and if it were for a week or two or maybe yeah. a month. Yeah, something like that. But this has this has been for some people, like I'm again my frame of reference is you know what's in front of me with children in college, you know, a year and a half online, a year and a half at home online, graduations um not happening, you know, just a variety of things. There has been so many things to like digest and so forth. Um, it's it's been tricky. It's been yeah. really difficult to navigate. And what do you do if you're one of those people who feels for the whole world? Like, mm -hmm. do you? Yeah, just ah. Oh, well, you know, everybody. Right. I think one of the things that you're talking about in terms of digesting is understanding because this happened to everyone that there is a need for us to normalize our overwhelm to normalize our heaviness to normalize the anxiety or the depression and no, not normalize it in a way that we are ignoring it or not taking care of ourselves but where we don't pathologize what simply comes with trauma. And so sometimes people hear trauma and they think, oh, wow, that's a big word and I don't think I wanna own that um, in my own life. Well, we don't have to want to own it, but a pandemic that spread um, faster than wildfire and had no ability to be contained and is still spreading. It's just the numbers are going down and we hope that with people being vaccinated, yes, and you know, still practicing in different parts of the country, social distancing and you know, washing our hands and wearing a mask. Some people are doing it, some people aren't. But what's really important is that we own 
that the pacing of how we re-enter is a very individual journey. You know, it could be in a, in a household where there are, you know, six people or four people and, you know, two say, hey, the restaurants are open, can't wait, let's go out to eat. And there's someone around your dinner table who is quiet and you're like, well, what's wrong? Don't you want to go? And they said, well, I do, but I don't feel ready yet to go to indoor eating with a lot of people. And so do we blame that person uh, who isn't comfortable going or do we blame the person who is comfortable? My suggestion is that we don't blame anyone. We understand that this trauma, the pandemic, impacted all of us differently. And that's why I started off by talking about being kind and gentle with the self and with how we emerge and re-emerge into our lives. The other thing that's really so important to keep in mind is that because this is an individual journey um, that we are all on, and we love when people see the world the way we see it, but um, sometimes it works out that way. And sometimes we are reminded that we are different as well as similar. But something that's really um, critical to pay attention to as we re-enter and we are being kind and gentle with ourselves and offering that to other people is this issue of wanting to go back to what was. Oh, yeah. and I really want to um, share both my understanding of that, like, you know, how life was when you just could say to your family, let's go out or let's go on vacation or let's go to the mall. I mean, whatever it is, let's just do anything. And one could figure it out or let's get on the bus or the subway, you know, and now it's like, oh, the subway and um, the subway in New York. And so New York's going to open up. I'm in Philadelphia, but New York's only 90, New York City is only 90 miles away. And so what does that mean for a city that I also uh, love and work in, um, but it's changed. And so that longing to pull back from the past and make it the present will be a problem for us. So I want to welcome um, all of us as we're here in this moment talking and thinking things th through that we make room for the new. Yeah, I'm writing, sorry. <laughs> yeah, no, no, no. Yeah, that we make room for the new. And it doesn't mean it'll be like that we don't have to forget about that friendship where we had lunch once a week. But if we make room for the new, because none of us are the same, you know, when you're, when we haven't had a pandemic. So this isn't um, something, you know, where uh, there was a big blip for a family in the neighborhood. This was a big, humongous, brutal reality for everyone. And so if I think I'm going to return, and I, I do a lot of work with corporations and companies, Fortune 1 and Fortune 500 companies, you know, they're asking me, Dr. Robin, um, how do we support our, our staff? How do we support our employees? What are the things that we can do? And some of it is what I've said here to normalize it from the top down. 
Uh, you can't have parents or a CEO um, who are unwilling to own their own vulner vulnerabilities and then want their children or employees to do that. So we've got to lead by example. The other part is it's really important to recognize that as we return or re-enter our lives and other people are re-entering, maybe somebody has their arms wide open for you, yeah. but we haven't been touching except for in our little pods. And so maybe that person who you have your arms wide open for is not ready for that connection. And so can we make room for the ways in which we have changed? Everybody's altered. Yes. That's, that's such a good point to make room for the new. I, I will put that out on Best Ever You and, and talk about what you've said here for sure with this. Um, I have a question for you, if you yeah. if you don't mind. I know you. I, thank you again for being here because it's we're learning. Um, what do you? A, a lot of people, probably you know, vulnerable, me included. You know, part of me. We've been here. You know, we've been sort of reacting almost, like powering through things and sort of, <laughs> and 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 that you know to keep going and go to school and try and play baseball. You know, we've had pockets of success in places where we've powered through and gotten what we needed to get done. What if that's leaving you feeling um, like a, like a just, like you're feeling things really hard right now? Mm -hmm. Like mm -hmm. you felt really heavy in the beginning. What if you're feeling that right now? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that question. Thank you for asking it because there, there are those who powered through, as you said, who did what they needed to do. Um, kind of executed their missions to the best of their ability and now have been hit with the large kind of gut punch of what they survived. This is not uncommon in trauma that people do what they have to do. I mean, they run away from, you know, a, a school shooting. I'm just trying to save their lives. And then they function really um, efficiently as long as they need to. And then when things get quiet, quieter, mm -hmm. it begins to sink in. Oh my gosh. Um, what I had to do. Yeah. What I, what I just had to do to make it, what I had to do to keep playing baseball, what I had to do to nurture my children and my family, what I had to do to keep this show going, you know, what I had to do. And so what I would say about that is a, that is also normal and really healthy. And I would want you and me and everyone to understand that when we catch our breath, sometimes it can feel like our breath now has been taken away. Um, and it's not, uh, we're not regressing it's just a delayed reaction to doing what was needed to survive. And I think the reason I also love your question, and I think it's so important, is because I do believe we're going to see more and more of that kind of reaction. It's really a, um, there's a psychological term uh, in terms of, you know, delayed grief, it's a delayed 
grief reaction, of complex grief. Yeah. Um, yeah. And there's a wonderful woman, uh, Dr. Pauline Boss, uh, B-O-S-S, who writes about ambiguous loss. And ambiguous loss is a, she didn't um, coin it for this purpose, but it certainly fits because, you know, when there is a, you know, God forbid, a kidnapping and a child is not found, it's ambiguous because you know, you're assuming as years go by that your child is possibly not alive, but there is no body. And so you will hear parents say, as horrible as it is, I, I just wish I had my loved one's body. There would be closure in some way, in some way. So it's ambiguous. Like I have to grieve without some of the rituals, which people did have to do with all of the COVID deaths as well. And even not COVID, just deaths that happened or graduations, again, joyful moments that people got their diplomas, but they got them in the mail. That was I mean, so you know, yeah, it's like Right. They had been waiting. I mean, you know, this was the plan. And, and all of a sudden, like what a letdown and a very confusing moment to know how do I celebrate or mourn both. Very similar. How do I celebrate or mourn when my rituals have been taken away to try and help save lives. And so it's important when something is ambiguous in this way that we've lost so much and yet we haven't, um, we haven't yet figured out how to honor the losses and whether or not there are ways, not that we can go back and do graduation, but we can make space for how sad it was to have all these plans and have them ghost on us. You know, we hear about ghosting, someone yeah. not showing up for a date, but this was massive ghosting where life just went dark. Mm. Yeah, <laughs> that's putting it. Really well, you know. I lo I love the way you explain things, because you you make it so we can understand. There probably some complex um, things to put together there for how human beings behave, and you're explaining yeah. it so well. So I'm really I'm really grateful for this. We have a question for you that just came in. Um, what about when? So life didn't stop during the pandemic. So whatever my my business partner and I, her name's Chris Fuller, um, we talked about how things are going to get amplified. Um, whatever you've got going on, you're going to get a little bit more and that life wasn't stopping um, during the pandemic. For example, I'll share with you her story if I can. Um, my cat, that's Mel, the podcast kitty, by the way, if you hear me out, oh, she okay. comes out when she loves the guests. So oh, I, I <laughs> She's I'm like an animal like well, trap. So anyway, I love that. You just got a full on meow. So <laughs> she loves you. it. Anyway, uh, random, sorry. Um, okay, so this is sad. Um, I, I met Chris Fuller randomly about a year and a half ago, back in January before the pandemic in a group of 400,000 women and to learn Zoom of all things. Neither one of us knew how to do video anything really that much in this in this capacity anyway. I did news anchoring and things like that, but mm -hmm. Zoom, yeah, no idea. Anyway, so we met and we've been like this ever since. 
it's like we're two peas in a pod kind of thing. And her husband was behind her in a Zoom call. And I'm like, wow, he's really lost a lot of weight, Chris. She goes, well, you don't want this diet. Um, we're going to go in and see what's going on. We think he might have an ulcer. And it turns out in the middle of the pandemic, or at the beginning of the pandemic, he got diagnosed with stage four colon cancer. Mm. And then he passed away in July. Oh, and I, yeah, right. We've we talk all the time about it on Best Ever You and everything and mm-hmm. written journals during the time that her husband was sick and we did a lot of different things. Mm-hmm. But it still doesn't take away the fact from people that life happened while the pandemic happened. And it's layers and layers upon things. Can you talk about grief and that? Because yeah. that's really super hard to navigate. Yeah. I know yeah. it firsthand from seeing her navigate so brilliantly. Yeah, and even, you know, when you say navigating so brilliantly, I think what you mean is that on some days, not to put words in your mouth, she, yeah, yeah, no, I mean, she um, sometimes got up in the morning yeah. and um, put one foot in front of the other. And that's brilliantly. That's what my dad said to me before before he passed away he was like kid i'm like how do i do best ever you without you dad he's like you're going to put one paw in front of the other and keep going without me and but it's it's amazing people's resilience yeah yes it's a and yeah it's amazing uh our resilience it's amazing our power um it's amazing how much energy we have available when we aren't trying to shove all of those feelings away. And so, because fighting feelings off takes a lot of energy. And so the ability to be where we are when we are there, um, the ability to uh, power through, meaning get something done and at the same time have someone bear witness, meaning you were bearing witness to her to her grief, to um, the unspeakable loss and whatever, you know, terror and feelings that get stirred up. And so I think to never underestimate the strength that comes from having a safe place to be vulnerable, mm-hmm. you know, and see vulnerability as a as a weakness and of course it's not but we're not taught that we're not taught that actually vulnerability if we are free to express it can become the gas we need to go on yeah you know it really can and so to go back to your question about grief or the question about grief you know i i just spoke with um did an event for the widows of COVID-19. So widows whose husbands um, or significant others died from COVID-19. So many of these women, very sadly to say, even right now, are beginning the process of the one-year anniversary. Some of them, I like March. So two months ago, they had um, some of their husbands died very, they were some of the first people to be diagnosed and to die And so they will be spending this year uh, memorializing and and maybe trying to figure out if things are more open, how they might even have rituals that they could not have last year. But I mentioned them because each woman, there were women all ages and 
ethnicities and race and faith and um, native language being different from, you know, for many of them. But what was common was both their willingness uh, to own how hard it is for the world to keep going when their world stopped. And yeah, yeah and this is important because we need, uh, we need some person in our life who will not only bear witness, but who will affirm that kind of how dare life keep moving. And yeah. yet it does do that. And, and there is a part of it that maybe is good that it keeps moving so that one day we can re-enter it uh, where we are, not where we were, but where we are. But in the moment, we need people who will follow our lead. That's a great point. Yeah. Yeah. And so following the lead, when you talk about grief, one of the things I said to these women, there's no roadmap. I mean, I've read and written and know the research and there are many, uh, you know, steps and stages and some of them have value. But what is most important is that we create safety with someone and it may not be the person we thought it would be, you know, like if you think it's going to be your best friend, you think it's going to be your parents or your siblings. And then you talked about the Zoom, you know, meeting and oh, right. this, I can't even I mean, this, this kismet, you know, kind of moment that you guys were meant to meet, yeah. um, not knowing what was going to be in front of either of you. I mean, certainly not in front of her, but not in front of you and COVID. And, and so if we can trust that life will, uh, it will take, but it also will give mm -hmm. if we keep our hearts open and our eyes looking for where is the gift in the midst of this mess? Yeah. You know, where's the miracle? in my meltdown. So not that we don't have the meltdown, not that we don't have um, profound and unspeakable grief, but where is the, where's the gift in the midst of it? Yeah, where's the good? Yeah. It's important to find the good too. Absolutely. Thanks to hold on, we, we talk about that all the time. You know, it's like ch cherish this or that, or find the positives or, find the good in the day, even though you're having a rough day, you know, we, we constantly talk about that, but you said something that was so important too, I think. And that's that I think we grieve at our own pace. And mm -hmm. that's a really interesting lesson um, for both of us going through this past year and half, year and a half, because some days are smiling and happy and other days are just like, whoa, what just happened? I feel like a train wreck. And I noticed that also with my, with my dad passing away um, and my, and my mom, they had been married 45 years. Wow. And one of the things that was really important to, to that I, that we all recognized and I went back home to Minnesota and stayed with my mom is that sometimes when somebody dies and that you've been married that long, it's all you can do to keep the other person on the planet. Also, they right. feel like they want to die right with them. Absolutely. So I stood on guard of my mom for yeah. a really long time until I knew that wasn't yeah. the feeling. And I'm sure after, even after I left, she felt like that too still, but now yeah powerfully like oh this is the worst kind of thing ever was that also in 2020 no, no. 
No, that was in, um, so my dad spent, my dad was a stroke survivor from 20, uh, 2004 all the way to 2018. And he spent all of, we called him the ICU warrior. There's a whole book on him about it. Um, there's, uh, he yeah. was in ICU all of 2018. He did not want to go anywhere. He mm. was fighting and um, yeah, it was, it was brutal, but I, I, the one paw in front of the other and then take care of yeah. your mom. I mean, he knew. He was the type of guy that was so sick, and he'd you'd come into his room, and he'd be like, "And how are you?" <laughs> you know, just like seriously, Dad. <laughs> That's crazy. But I'll, you know, but I'll re, I will um, take something from your father, his wisdom and his gift to you of, you know, the putting the one paw in front of the other, and um, he was reminding you that while he meant so much to you. Uh, my father said something similar. He died 31 years ago, so a long time ago. I was young in 1990. But uh, it's powerful for a parent to hear that question, the vulnerability, again, of how could I ever uh, live without you? Um, and for a parent not to dismiss it, right. but to say that in this very simple way, um, just by breathing is what he was saying. Just that one paw in yeah. front of the other. And I think sometimes, again, we're just, we're looking for these grand um, goals of, you know, triumph. We're looking to be <laughs> over things that are not meant to get over. Um, they're meant to be integrated into our lives and into our hearts. And sure. so it's a very different thing than... Um, getting over something. I was interviewed by Anderson, by Anderson Cooper and Anderson, um, not sharing anything that people um, don't know. Um, his brother died by suicide when he was very young and his mother um, was Gloria Vanderbilt. And so I did a show for Anderson when he had a daytime show about suicide and not just about suicide, but about deep losses, really yeah. deep, deep losses. And one of the things that uh, he, I said to he, to him, but to his TV audience was, this word closure is such a, um, it's kind of such a farce. It's a <laughs> fantasy um, closure. I mean, what in the world does closure mean? I think what makes more sense is that putting one paw in front of the other and when we can and when we can't then being kind and accepting that it's fine um, when we can't do that but the other piece that's in, that's helpful i think is to realize that the goal is not to get over it and is not to have closure it's to integrate it it's like cake batter that's um, a good point yeah it's to it's to whip it in and figure yeah. out how this thing you know um, which won't go away. So the pandemic, it it won't go. I mean, it will be tamed. Um, we certainly trust by the vaccine and by other things. But uh, what happened to us in 2020 is a forever reality. We don't even know how it's going to play itself out in, in the lives particularly of children and um I mean, anywhere from zero to, you know, 25 years old. I mean, what that means. But I do know this, if we can integrate the trauma, yeah. 
Yeah, if we can integrate it instead of try and get rid of it, uh, because we can't get rid I of it. I want to get rid of it, though, Dr. Robin. I want yeah, it to and, go and, away. Well, and then say this, and that's healthy. Me too. Me <laughs> too. Want, Everybody says that. You notice that? Just want this to be over. That is of such course. a good point to... So I'll have to have, do you want to come on again? I know I've taken up like it, we're on five minutes over now, but I would, I would love to have you come on and expand on that point. Cause that's, yes. that's really super powerful right there too. I mean, I, yeah, we be on here for like four hours and everybody can ask. Yeah. Me I'll come on another time and yeah. we will, you know, talk about something and we'll, yeah. we'll continue the conversation. Yeah. That, that's such a good point because, you know, even with a checklist, you did every time you have a checklist that you get it done, then you're like, Oh, I'm adding 10 more things. It's like, right. it, it's right. never, you know, there's not closure on yeah. a checklist either. No, no, to do list. Does any, here's the question Does anything ever have closure? Well, I think it even depends what we mean by closure. I mean, look, if I interesting go and buy milk and okay. I go and buy milk, okay. But we're talking about bite-sized things um, that are obtainable and goals that we can check off. And those are important so that we feel good. But the bigger things in life, I mean, closure is often a setup for disappointment and making us feel as if we failed when actually we haven't. We're just being human beings who have limitations and resilience and it's figuring, you know, that out. The other thing I will just say, you know, before we I go for today, um, is you know I did a partnership um, with the a yeah with the AARP uh, Foundation and which has been tremendous. Um, it's the AARP Foundation and United Health Foundation, and there's a website called Connect to the number two effect, connect to effect. And what's so important about what AARP did is they understood that social isolation is a defining factor, particularly in a pandemic, uh, in the lives of not just older adults, but people. And so they developed, there's a three minute Quiz, it's free. Um, it really helps you get in touch with maybe you think that you're handling your stress well, and then you take this free quiz at Connect to Effect, and you realize, hmm, I'm more triggered than I know. The isolation got to me more than I know. And so we're working with not only social isolation, but what it means to emerge again and to re-enter our lives and what that really looks like and how to do it, which is some of what I shared with you at the beginning of talking. And what I would also just um, remind you, the audience, is I call it the, the three Bs, to remember to move your body, move your brain, and move your burden. And what that means is because of being socially isolated, we've been stuck um, and we've not moved a lot. And so we need to re-engage with our bodies to move them. And that doesn't necessarily mean a gym. It just means that you start taking a short walk um, or a walk from your kitchen to your trash can outside and 
that you begin to let your body know that you see it, that you care about it, um, and that you survived what felt at times like you wouldn't make it. Move your brain because we know that what we focus on is what grows. What grows ultimately has dominion over us. And so we want to not get stuck on thoughts um, and grow those thoughts that actually drain our energy instead of restore and replenish. And then move the burden. I mean, sometimes something can feel so huge, and it is often so huge that if we don't move the burden, doesn't mean we can avoid it, but if we don't move the burden, it feels like it is it that it is our life. Mm -hmm. And we need to remind our burden that it is maybe a large part of life, but it's not all of life. And so just something that we can all practice um, together. Good. Thank you for that. And um, one of the things that I'll do and follow up to this is I'll post a blog on bestevery.com with a lot. Yeah. I'm hoping that maybe you might help me with that with a, a little bit more of, of everything in writing. Um, maybe I'll get that from um, you can yeah and we'll, we'll really make that comprehensive and make sure we get the links out there and stuff um I have, can i ask you one more question we we ask this of everybody who comes on best ever yes. one more okay we okay. always ask people about this uh, uh, their incredible yes and um this is a moment where you said yes to someone or something and it changed your life would you mm -hmm. mind sharing that with us if you have maybe one in mind sure uh, I think the one yes that I couldn't think of that I um, said yes to, I mean, the, the two that I think of really was my, I'm also an ordained minister. So <laughs> was my yes to seminary. Uh, my plan was to go to medical school. And so my yes to my journey in seminary was, um, that was a long time ago, but that was a big resounding yes that I have um, never regretted and feel like it gave me a really robust um, part of being all of who I am that I bring to the table. And also a yes to adopting a uh, dog who had been hurt terribly. Her name was Callie. She was my daughter dog. Um, she was almost eight when I adopted her. And she lived to be 16 and had a glorious, glorious life and was my teacher. Um, so those are two of my my big yeses. Yeah. Thank you for that. Yeah, we'll end on some smiles here. Adorable. Awesome. Yeah, Absolutely. I love, love dogs. And there's another high five from Mel for you. She just meowed it. She loves, she loves you. <laughs> That's cute. All right, Dr. Robin, thank you so much thank for being here. Thank you so much for having me. And we, I will see you and your tribe another time. All right. Perfect. Thank All you. Right. You will. Take, Take care. care, everybody. Thank you so much for listening. Thank you for listening. We're so glad you tuned in. Be brave. Be bold. Be you. And remember to visit us at besteveryou.com. Lucky Land Casino. Asking people, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? Lucky? In line at the deli, I guess? Aha, in my dentist's office. More than once, actually. Do I have to say? Yes, you do. In the car before my kid's PTA meeting. Really? Yes. Excuse me, what's the weirdest place you've gotten lucky? I never win and tell. Well, there you have it. You can get lucky anywhere, playing at LuckyLandSlots.com. Play for free right now. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.